You're listening to Staying in the Game, a Plum Dragon Herbs podcast where we have conversations about mindset and techniques for staying at the top of your game. I'm your host, Janelle Leatherwood. In this podcast series, we are speaking to Craig Williams, a licensed acupuncturist and practitioner of East Asian medicine in private practice in Austin, Texas. Well, welcome to the show today, Craig. We're so glad to have you here again with us. It's great. it's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who aren't familiar yet with Craig Williams, he's a licensed acupuncturist, a clinical herbalist, professional member of the American Herbalist Guild, a certified East-West herbalist, and certified Ayurvedic practitioner with the National Ayurveda Medical Association. Plus, he does a ton of nutrition and coaching, training, and we are just really excited to talk to him. He he recently um, had an article out in, I believe it was Acupuncture Today. Right, I have a column in Acupuncture Today. Yeah, so regular column and your your latest article um, was so great. Here you didn't know that coronavirus was on the horizon. Just I know. Um, <laughs> tell us about that article, and we'll get started. Yeah, I mean that's. That's the nature of the publishing industry. You're always writing something that you know is going to come out two or three months down the road. And I knew we'd be at the end of the winter season. And so I wanted to write something about using food therapy to boost the immune system during the winter season. So then it came out right at the height of this corona crisis. So it was actually quite good timing. Um, and even even though in Texas we're, we're not really in winter per se anymore, a lot of places still are. So it's good. It's good. It's a good topic to discuss about like – uh, food is medicine and, and how we can use food to boost our immune system. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And isn't it great that we've got spring happening right now? I'm I'm glad as we're, you know, just starting yeah. into the um, effects of the virus where we live. And so I'm, I'm glad that my kids who are now home from school full time can yeah. <laughs> go outside and get some sunshine and play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. What a game changer it's been. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a crazy time for sure. Hopefully, um, if it, you know, with everybody does all the things that they're asking us to do, that within a couple of weeks you'll see a flattening of the curves, and then mm-hmm. maybe after a month and even more. So I'm sure that's typically what they're expecting. So, yeah. Now let's dive in a little bit to some of the food recommendations that you uh, said are good for immune um, building and boosting during the winter season. Like first on your list um, was walnuts, which I thought was really great. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to put some things in that article because I'm, I'm always limited in space. You know, when you're writing a column, it's you don't have as much time and space as you would have, say, if you were writing a book or if I was giving a four hour lecture on winter health nutrition. But we have a lot more time now to discuss that. But walnuts are one of my favorite foods. It's it's considered a medicine in Chinese medicine, which was a type of a kidney tonic and a lung tonic. And so this food is easy to obtain and anybody can eat it and you can be really creative with how you use it. But it's it has a great ability to provide a wonderful source of essential fatty acids. Um, it's wonderful source of vitamins and minerals and it has a kind of a lubricating quality and a warming quality. So after we've been inside the heat um, which tends to dry us out during the long winter months. It tends to particularly dry out our lungs. Um, then walnuts are wonderful for kind of softening and, and moistening the lungs, moistening the intestines, and it warms up the body too. Uh, you could even refer to walnuts as a, as a type of anti-aging tonic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I often have people mix walnuts with goji berries. Um, that's one of my favorite little snack mixes, which I'll tell people to do, um, because goji berries have so many of the similar benefits in Chinese medicine as that. So you you can really kind of combine foods like you're making an herbal formula. You can put different foods together in the same way. Right, right. Now I have a couple questions about walnuts in particular. Do you recommend soaking them like overnight before you eat them, or? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's, that's a big thing now. People talk about that, but for most people, that's not necessary unless maybe somebody had significant digestion problems. For for the most part, but soak. You know, a lot of companies now are already making sprouted nuts, and so if you do have the option to get that, that's always great. I personally find that sprouted nuts tend to even taste a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but but typically for me, I'll just use the standard raw, raw walnuts. Of course, you can get roasted and salted, but you do lose a little bit of the benefits. Not all of them, but you do lose a little bit. So to get the maximum, I usually would use the raw walnuts. And I, I usually put them in um, oatmeal or I'll put them in rice dishes. Those are my mm-hmm. two favorite ways to – or if I make a quinoa – dish, then I'll put them in, sprinkle them over the finish of the quinoa. Yeah. Okay. Now you coach people on, um, eating and eating well. And, and what about dieting? Like, can you eat too many nuts? I mean, they're high, <laughs> yeah, that's they're high in calories. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a great question. And I often say one of the, the biggest problems I see with people who are dieting is they tend to eat too much trail mix. Mm -hmm. And that's something I see all the time. People will be saying, you know, and no, I can guarantee you my food is on track and I don't know why I'm not losing those extra five pounds. And if we look at a food diary, the two biggest things that I see come up are eating too much of a trail mix and eating too much nut butters. Okay. So yeah, the nut butters are more of a concern typically because they're so concentrated of a caloric value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could see a game changer for people who are trying to lose weight when they go from, say, having a tablespoon of nut butter a day to like a teaspoon. It's pretty, it's pretty dramatic. People don't know how calorically dense nut butters are. Right. But nut, and, you know, and nuts in general, they don't have to be massively consumed. Like honestly, mm-hmm. like a handful of walnuts a day is all you really need. But that would be unless someone was, uh, you know, I I do coach a lot of ultra distance runners and, you know, and maybe athletes who are doing uh, Ironman distance or something. If someone had an extremely high exercise level, then they're going to need a lot more calories. And in that case, then you have a little bit more wiggle room. But for your average, you know, but for your average person, a, a handful of walnuts, you're set. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. What would be next on your list? I think in that article I mentioned sunflower seeds too, mm-hmm. um, mainly because they're such a good source of zinc. Okay. And zinc is zinc is one of the most common nutritional deficiencies that we see all the time. But it's very important during the cold and flu season because it does prevent viral infections. Do and pumpkin it, seeds compare, or are they, they less? They do. Uh-huh. They know they, they, they're wonderful, and that you read my mind. I was going to say I often tell people to do a pumpkin seed, sunflower seed, and a walnut mix, and they okay. can kind of have that as a little snack, and then they can add the goji berries to that too. But mm-hmm. no, pumpkin seeds are wonderful for that, and that's why in a lot of the traditionalist, the Western herbalist cult um, traditions, you would see they often used to recommend pumpkin seeds for prostate health. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons was because they were so high in zinc. Zinc is really important for prostate health. Okay. And so, yeah, so it's just great to have 
a higher consumption of zinc-rich foods during the cold and flu season. And sunflower seeds are just easy. Um, and once again, you can just sprinkle that. I typically sprinkle that over any kind of uh, rice dishes or quinoa dishes. Um, or, of course, you could put it in oatmeal as well, too. Or you can just have it as a snack. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, you can, this makes sense to a lot of people because they're used to thinking of things like zinc lozenges during the cold and flu season or, or taking a zinc capsule. That's totally feasible and very important during the cold and flu season. I take zinc in a capsule form during the cold and flu season for sure. Right. Um, yeah. So it's just I like to really focus on micronutrient deficiencies and what people are not getting. Um, and it's, if we can get it from foods as simple as sunflower seeds, then it's great. And there, there's also a lot of research on cardiovascular health. Uh, with walnuts and sunflower seeds, it, you know, cultures that tend to eat a little bit more of the healthy nuts have lower rates of heart disease. And so that's a, that's a great thing to kind of bring in into those kind of nutritional ideas as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, yeah, and like it's hard to find some of those zinc products right now. And so it's good yeah. to get them yeah. naturally. Yeah. That's exactly – you know, that's why I put that in the article because so much – so many times during the cold and flu seasons, the stores are out of zinc lozenges. They're out of zinc peels, but they're usually never out of sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I'm always or, – or pumpkin seeds. And so you yeah. can get those and really get a good dose from that as well too. Okay. And then fresh garlic – You've fresh garlic is probably my yeah that's probably my favorite. Fresh garlic is probably my favorite all time herb for everything. And you know people throw around that word superfood today so much. Everything's a superfood, um, and most of the time that's a marketing hype. But with garlic, it's the real deal. Um, garlic has extensive research on both antibacterial and antiviral capabilities, as well as extensive research on its ability to prevent heart disease and even some amazing research on cancer prevention. And so the key with that, it's a good question, the key with to get all those benefits, particularly since we're talking about immune system, to get some kind of antiviral or some kind of antibacterial benefits, it needs to be eaten raw. Mm-hmm. And what, what that means is you typically it needs to be chopped up in any way you want to chop it, whether you just slice it or you you know slice it super thin or just little peels, you take the bulb and slice it up and let it sit for about two to three minutes for some of the enzymes to activate. And then once it once you've done that, you can just sprinkle that on any food. It, it's it's pretty important to take that with food. Most people can't just chop up a clove of garlic and just eat that without it bothering their stomach or burning their mouth. So my favorite way is to put it on pasta dishes. Um, but you can also get olive oil and some nice bread and put it on that. Um, it's obviously if you've already made a really healthy soup, because I'm a huge fan of making soups during the winter season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can use a really nice soup. And then after you've already made your bowl of the soup, then you just sprinkle the raw garlic into that bowl. Okay. You you can cook with garlic. And, of course, the flavor is wonderful if, if someone likes the flavor. And, and there are some health benefits of cooked garlic. That tends to be more cardiovascular. The more you cook the garlic, you lose the benefits of the antiviral and the antibacterial. Okay. So that's, that's the main reason why I say, you know, if someone wants it during the cold and flu season, um, really try to do it raw on top of food. Well, the great thing with us trying to avoid people is we won't have to <laughs> <laughs> breathe our garlic breath on them right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I and I myself, I mean, I consume a lot of garlic. I mean, I, I on average, especially during when it's cold, um, I usually do two to three cloves a day mm-hmm. um, on food. 
And, and after a while, it's, it's no big deal. You don't, you know, unless occasionally if I'm out for a run, I might smell, but it's not, you know, <laughs> not like most people, not like most people think it's not yeah. the same idea. Yeah. So, but that's a big one. And it's a big one that tends to get, um, the data is all there. The research is all there. And if people just kind of quietly forget it because they're always looking for this other cool new thing that's being marketed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but garlic is really, really powerful in its ability to do that. And also the same thing with onions, um, garlic and onions together both have substantial immune boosting benefits, um, and they can be incredibly helpful for respiratory infections, um, you know, low-grade colds and flu, um, and also infections that are that if someone has a tendency to have things that settle in the lungs, whether they have, um, you know, respiratory like a COPD or bronchitis or asthma then things like garlic and onions are really wonderful, true home remedies to have around that, that literally work. They can really make a big difference. Okay. And do you have to eat onions raw as well to get the full benefit? For the cold and flu stuff, typically. Okay. Um, yeah, typically so. You can also, when you, in Ayurvedic medicine, you would eat the raw onions for more of the cold and flu benefits. But when you cook them, they had a little bit more of a longevity boosting effect. Okay. Um, so I'm thinking and, and like it, maybe an onion, cucumber, garlic salad or something like that. You know, yeah, maybe that would be, that'd be absolutely perfect. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. yeah, that would be the uh, actually a primo way to do that mm-hmm. with some nice quality olive oil, a little bit on there, and, and even if you did that, you can even add nuts to that, and you don't even notice the flavor. It's not going to change the flavor profile at all. Right. Right. Okay. And then um, let's see. Yeah, in your article, you also mentioned ginger. Ginger's a huge one too. Ginger's one of those kind of things that's a rip this kind of can cure or treat anything and it's so easy and so inexpensive. Um that's why I always say like garlic and ginger to have around the house can treat so many different things. And for example, with ginger, you can just get fresh ginger and make ginger tea, which is wonderful for the first stages of a cold or a flu or any kind of gastrointestinal problem. You can also chop it up and add it to foods or soups to both have a little bit of flavor, but also improve your digestion. Um, and that's a big, that's a big part of the benefits of ginger is we know so much of our immune system is, is connected to our digestive system. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and then, then that's a big part. So any kind of herb, which is going to improve your digestion, we can kind of think mentally that's going to help boost our immunity as well. Okay. Um, and that's why we see that connection between, for example, say probiotics and immune system. Uh-huh. Um, you know, people talk, and that is true. Like taking a good quality probiotic during the cold and flu season can be very, very helpful, and um, that's because it's directly helping your gut and the digestive capacity. And that's also why, like for example, onions and garlic—they're prebiotics. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of things called fructooligosaccharides, and they're these types of sugar that our our bodies don't absorb, but the beneficial bacteria in our guts love them. And so when we eat more like onions and garlic, our body makes more effective of our own bacteria. So it's, it not only does it have an ability just to directly, you know, help your immune system through the act, active components in the actual, let's say, garlic and onions, but it helps your body start to make its own bacteria, which even boosts your immune system f- even deeper. So it's a, it's a big win-win situation. Um, but garlic tea, and rather ginger tea, um, you can do that. You can chop it up and put it in salads as well. You can put it in soups. Um, of course, if someone you know really didn't like the taste of ginger, which is totally normal, they could absolutely get ginger capsules, um, and that would be wonderful to take for upset stomachs or just if they're eating a heavier diet. 
most people during the winter time tend to eat heavier foods. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to, we tend to eat fattier foods, more nutrient dense food, and particularly protein heavy foods. And so that's another reason to add ginger. It just really helps you digest all those heavier foods, fattier foods, which tend to maybe kind of leave us feel bloated or even gassy. Then ginger is just incredible for that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. We need to pay attention to our gut health. And I know I make a kefir almost daily. (laughs) Nice. It's wonderful. Yeah. 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 So um, let's see, we recently put out an article about how there's so much studies and research that have identified several Chinese herbs that might help uh, maintain a healthy immunity during this outbreak. So I was wondering if we could maybe cover some of the more common ones. And I know, you know, at Plum Dragon Herbs, we offer all of these herbs. So let's go ahead and talk about some of these Chinese herbs. well, real quickly, I will say I was very excited to see that Plum Dragon was coming out with osha root tincture. Mm-hmm. Um, osha is one of my all-time favorite herbs. Um, it's a it, it's a really beautiful herb. The Native Americans used to call it bear medicine, um, and it's extremely powerful and unique. And that's one of those herbs which I have always in my clinic, and I always have people have that around the house during the cold and flu season. Um, it's a very spicy, very potent herb. It's just phenomenal for both early stage respiratory problems, but also kind of complicated chronic lung stuff that things won't get up. So that's exciting. OSHA is wonderful. That's that, really good. It, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. go. Oh, I was just going to um, ask you, how do you, do all ages seem to tolerate that herb really well in your experience? Like young kids seem to have um, struggle with a lot of respiratory issues as well. Yeah, oh, it, that's a good point. I mean, that, that's the tricky thing about OSHA is that OSHA does – it has a very strong flavor. Mm-hmm. So the compliance is a tricky thing with that. But, no, it's it's actually wonderful for pediatric cases. Um, usually I'll try to mix it in with other herbs to kind of buffer the taste a bit, but that's the really funny thing about OSHA is that no matter what you mix it with, it cuts through, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so, but it is incredibly effective for that. And you can definitely put it into a capsule if you needed to, but the liquid does tend to work a little bit quicker, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's totally safe to use for children and you just dose it based on their body weight. Um, and it's a very easy thing with that. Um, but it, I don't use OSHA as a tonic, really. Although some traditions used to use OSHA, you could they would often um, take OSHA root and chew on it as a respiratory tonic. Mm-hmm. I don't typically do I don't typically do it like that. Um, I, I typically just use it when we have what we would call in Chinese medicine either wind cold or wind heat issues, which basically means early stage of colds or flu, or if there's some type of chronic lung condition that's just not clearing, I'll typically use it with other herbs in a formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the first sign to have around the house, it's just amazing stuff to have um, for clearing that out. Um, obviously, getting any kids to take any herbs can be tricky. Right, right. Um, you know, that that's always tough. Um, and so that's why you know that that can be a whole different ballgame with that but as far as just overall efficacy and what it's used for it's it's really effective uh-huh. but not but, but you don't need to take it every day right. that's something just to kind of have just to have it on hand if you know you have a tendency for lung issues and you know that something which i talk to my patients and everyone about a lot is that we really need to take care of our lungs 
um, because most of the problems that come with cold and flu issues are not the initial issues. It's not just the initial thing that they, that people have serious complications from. What happens is that when it, when it just stays around and starts to settle into the lungs, and then you get things like pneumonia, cardiopulmonary issues, and those are very hard to treat. Western medicine doesn't have a lot of stuff to do for lungs except give someone maybe a really generic expectorant or a really generic mucolytic or put or literally put them on oxygen. But Western Western herbalism, Chinese herbalism, Ayurvedic herbalism has a ton of stuff to do for respiratory mm-hmm. stuff. So, But to keep the lungs healthy and to really think down, upstream medicine and say, okay, we need to be sure that nothing settles in the lungs, that's why it's nice to have OSHA around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, people tend to forget about that, and then before they know it, you know, that their cough has turned into a deep cough to a chronic cough, and then they're using really simple remedies then, and those don't work anymore then. You know, that's the, that's the problem. So OSHA is really great because it works very deeply and very on both the surface and the deep conditions. Um, so it's really wonderful. Yeah. Okay. And it, you're right. There really isn't anything in the mainstream medical no. market as far as treating respiratory. It's just kind of like no. stick it it's, out. It's maybe prednisone. Steroids yeah, pre- prednisone sometimes. And, and steroid yeah. and- Yep, steroid inhalers, things like that, which can be effective, but they don't really, they're not boosting lung health. They're just, it's crisis medicine, which is wonderful to have. Yeah. You know, that, that that's great to have. But then it at, once you're out of the crisis and it turns into chronic, that's when we see the problems. Mm-hmm. There's not much that we can do. And that's one of the beautiful times when herbs can come in. And then also to just people being aware. And that, like, for example, that's one of the reasons why I love walnuts. They're a lung tonic. They help strengthen the lungs. They lubricate the lungs. And garlic and, and, and onions, they're totally respiratory tonics. They help the lungs. And so all these kind of foods, they're, they're kind of already proactively doing that to help us keep our lung health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a good thing with that. But some of the herbs in that article, another herb which is extremely important is astragalus, mm-hmm. um, which in Chinese medicine is called huangqi. Right. And that's a, that's a wonderful tonic. It's so underappreciated. Um, it, it's a, it's in a very famous for, formula called Yuping Feng San, which means jade windscreen, and it was used as a as a protector for preventing colds and flu. Um, and astragalus was one of the main herbs in that. And it's an easy herb to take. It's super gentle. It's very inexpensive. Um, it can be taken in a capsule form, a liquid extract form, or you can actually get the root. And the roots look like. They're really, they're really beautiful. They look like almost like old school tongue depressors. They're pretty, and you can add those to soups. That's one of my favorite things to do in the in the winter time is for people to get astragalus root, and then they can just add that while they're making soup. And as a soup stock, you just leave it in there, mm-hmm. and it kind of cooks into the whole soup. And there's no flavor. It doesn't mess with the flavor at all. Um, and you can uh, you can do the same thing while you're cooking rice. You can get a, a piece of astragalus root, break it in half. It's like just a little piece of wood, and then put it in the water as the rice cooks, and it just cooks into the rice. Um, but it's also a, in Chinese medicine we would refer to it as a spleen tonic, which is a digestive aspect, but it also really boosts immunity as well. And that's typically astragalus root is typically taken as a preventative. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll, you'll often see that they'll say things like, don't take this when you're already sick and don't take this during acute conditions. And, and that is typically true. Although Chinese medicine would often use Huang Chi or astragalus root in chronic conditions if someone was really depleted. 
senior citizens, someone who was very sick, oftentimes they would totally use it if someone was sick. They would combine it with astragalus, with, say, osha root or bonlangan or other herbs. But anyone could get astragalus and take it preventatively. It's a super gentle tonic, super effective. Um, it's extremely effective for athletes. Uh-huh. Because it's, it, it builds up the energy and the immunity at a really deep level, and it's not a stimulant. And so I, I, one of my, I used to get on uh, my soapbox all the time and try to get athletes off of ginseng and onto astragalus because people often would take too much ginseng. Oh, interesting, and then yeah. They were, yeah, they were ignoring astragalus. Mm-hmm. And so I, would, I, I still think that's true. I think most people who are taking ginseng should be taking astragalus, mm-hmm. athletes and both. And, it, and it's just wonderful to use. And, it's so, and kids can take it. That's one of the best tonics for kids. Uh, they won't even, if they can swallow capsules, you could easily give them one to two capsules of astragalus root a day to prevent them from getting sick. Or if you had a liquid extract, you could do 10 drops. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even make jello cubes out of it. You can put 10 drops in jello and mix it up so the kids have, they have a jello snack, they, they have astragalus jello snacks. There's a lot of cool things you can do with it. We even have a recipe on our um, site where we sell um, the Chinese herb astragalus called Wang. Wang Chi, as you mentioned, Wang Chi, um, yeah, for astragalus yeah. butter, which is like a substitute for yes. peanut butter. So you can even make something like that. Yeah. Kids will never know. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's wonderful. So I can't, I can't emphasize how much I love astragalus. That's one of the most important herbs for consumers to become a little bit more familiar with. For people to become familiar with, um, it, it's just so effective for kids and adults alike, and has such a wide range of benefits. Uh huh. And one. And for me, oh, I, go ahead. Oh, most, I was going to say most of my patients that I see, even if they're not sick, everyone's complaining about being fatigued and tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so astragalus, you know, astragalus is great. So it really has a lot it it helps of both. benefits, you know. A lot yeah. of benefits. Yeah, big, big time. Now, um, similar in name, but totally different from Wang Chin, is that correct? Um, which is yeah, the next well, one yeah. I kind of want to talk about, the Chinese skullcap root. Skullcap, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a berberine-rich herb, which was typically used to clear out um, damp heat conditions. Um, it's really effective when someone already has typically an acute infection, um, and that would be typically when we would see what they would refer to as either wind heat or damp heat um, conditions, and typically the patient is kind of exhibiting some type of inflammatory symptoms throughout the body. Typically, their tongue would be very red. Their pulse would be fast. Their throat would hurt. They would have a fever. Their skin might even be red. Mm-hmm. Those are all kind of indications with that. Um, and so it's typically used in those kind of conditions. And it's very effective. It's extremely effective. And there's, they would have Huang Lian, Huang Chen, different ver- kind of varieties of berberine-rich things. And the Western herbalism was very familiar with that. It was somewhat related to golden seal. Um, but Huang Chen does have some unique ability that's, that's above and beyond those. So typically those are more used for an acute and they're almost always in a formula. Right. I know um, we have a new oh, one that just came out as well, our Wang Chen extract. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, it's very bitter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those kind of, it's a berberine extract. So mm-hmm. that's a, the palatability of that one is tricky, but you could easily like combining if someone had an acute, you know, condition that was predominantly of heat signs, one could easily use that, even even balance out the warming aspects of OSHA. You could use Huang Chen together, and they kind of they, they stabilize each other. Because mm-hmm. that's the unique that's the unique thing about making herbal formulas 
is they're they're balancing each other. Right. You know, something someone might be warm, some herb might be cool, and so we try to balance them together so there's no irritation in the body um, with those mm-hmm. two. And so, but Huangchen is a really great herb for you know, especially in cases now where we're seeing people who have antibiotic resistance. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we really want to think about which of these herbs, like the Lian Chao, Jin Hin Hua, Chu Hua, Huang Chen, all those are really heat, they're heat clearing herbs can be very important to have on hand because sometimes the antibiotics, they don't work as well anymore for some people. Mm-hmm. Well, and so maybe I rushed you a little bit talking about some of the preventative herbs because we can go back to that. Um, so just for oh, that's overall prevention, were there any others that you wanted to mention? I think the two biggest areas to think of when we talk about prevention, it would be, of course, the stragulus, and then the other category would be medicinal mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, medicinal mushrooms are so important, and um, and they, they mentioned one, uh, one of my favorite ones in that the wonderful article, the Dong Chong Sha Sao, which is cordyceps. And cordyceps is it's technically a fungus. It's a caterpillar fungus. But it's a just phenomenal herb to really strengthen the lungs, boost the immunity at a very deep level, um, and that that combination of taking cordyceps and astragalus together is just an incredible tonic to prevent colds and flu, to boost the immune system, um, cardiovascular health, and it's a big thing for chronic fatigue syndrome and energy. Yeah, I was going to say I know um, that athletes yeah. take that as well for energy. Yeah. To, I take a lot of cordyceps. I typically use it in a powdered form, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of companies which make it in a powder form. It's it's almost they'll typically they'll grow them often on oats. They ferment them on oats, so they just taste kind of oaty, nutty. It's super easy to take, um, but it's also wonderful for kids who have a tendency toward respiratory problems. If there's if a child has a tendency toward getting stuff in the lungs or a tendency toward asthma, um, you could use that. Um, but it works very very deeply. And so that's what I'm always trying to encourage people to save the echinacea when you're sick, save the elderberry for when you're sick, but take things like astragalus and medicinal mushrooms daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that really builds up the immune system at a super deep level, yeah. um, not, ju- not, not just some kind of surface thing. And so then when your body's stronger, the other herbs work better. And, and another thing to keep in mind, too, is that when, if, when, we, when we're talking about Chinese medicine or we're talking about tonic herbs and we're talking about food as medicine, the benefit of doing that is so that when you're you know, food, eating food as in medicine and eating food, which is in harmony with the seasons, and then taking preventative or, or tonic herbs, which prevent things, it, it literally makes your body stronger. So that regardless of what happens, if you do get sick, anything that you take, whether it's Western medicine or Chinese medicine, typically works better. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who's very strong and and their their microbiome is, is healthy and their digestion's good and they have a lot of energy, antibiotics work amazing with those people. Right? Yeah. That's that's the that's the thing. Then Western medicine's like, bam, it fixes it. You're done. The problem is, is most people today are so run down. They have chronic digestive issues. They're chronically micronutrient depleted. They have horrible diets, and then they arrive at Western medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, then and that's very frustrating even for allopathic doctors. They're like, Get, you know, I'm trying the best I can, but you're not. It's not helping. You know. And so that's one of the reasons why I always tell people, it's like, hey, you know, even if you have to get something at a hospital or you have to take something that you didn't want to take as far as allopathic medicine, it's going to work better because your body's healthier. Mm-hmm. You're stronger. You're just going to, you're going to bounce back quicker. 
You're going to come back stronger. And that's the reason why the tonic herbs, even particularly Huangqi or astragalus and the cordyceps, those were used extensively in chemotherapy recovery. Uh-huh. They were used extensively to bring the body back after it had been extensively damaged through radiation and chemotherapy. So it just makes us stronger and it brings us back. And that's something that it's kind of like you think you have to think about that old Chinese phrase where they would say, like, the superior doctor treats before there's any disease. And or they would say, you know, build the ditch before the flooding comes. Yeah. That's a big that's a big aspect in Chinese medicine is to say, like, hey, let's 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 prevent this before it even happens. Right. And I think that's that's something which I'm always trying to instill in patients and people just to start thinking a little bit more like that. It's not living in paranoia. It's just investing in your health. Mm-hmm. It's just thinking like, hey, I just would like to not be sick or be sick less, you know. And so those are the, that's one of the reasons of using these kind of foods or using tonic herbs um, is that you're just going to be more resistant to everything and feel better. Right, right. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, when we were talking about how there's not a lot of things to treat lung conditions and um, Western medicine, you know, and part of the the problem with like steroids and things like that is they actually weaken your immune system. Same thing again with antibiotics, you know, like now you're destroying all your good gut bacteria. And so, Anything yep. that we can do, yep. like you said, preventatively so that we don't then have like uh, a side effect condition after taking, you know, the Western medicine is going to be really helpful for our bodies and staying, you know, healthy overall from these viruses. So, so important. It's so, so important. And then you just have a better quality of mm-hmm. life. You bounce back, you bounce back quicker from the small issues or big issues. Yeah. You just, you're just stronger overall, you know, and I, I'd say this extensively, you know, cause I do treat athletes it, both in my practice with acupuncture and Chinese medicine as a nutritionist or as a, as a, just literally as a health coach or a running coach and the athletes that are the most, have the most vitality. And when I say vitality, I mean the athletes who have very healthy diets, their digestive systems functioning very strong. They're getting good night's sleep. Those are the people that if they ever do have an injury, that's the people that get with the one steroid shot and they're fixed mm-hmm. and they're fine. And that's, the, that's, and Western medicine works great for that, but you nailed it. But the person who has to keep getting steroid shots, well, then that's going to be a problem. Then their immune system is going to be damaged or the person that has an infection and they take one round of antibiotics and they're gone and it's fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they have more vitality, you know, that's how they're supposed to be as opposed to the person who takes it and then they have to keep taking it and then they have to keep taking, there's no vitality there. So that's the other benefit is just like everything works better when we're healthier. Right. And you um, can so that's, adapt better to changes in the climate and in the environment and yes. like these new emerging diseases. So let, let's talk about that for a minute. Like these are called warm diseases or when being diseases. Um, what's, right. what's the history of like how the, these diseases come up and why prescribing heat clearing herbs um, as an acupuncturist is helpful. Yeah, the, the Chinese medicine has a really beautiful history of looking at climate and its relationship to immunity and its relationship to diseases. Um, two of the most famous classical texts from Chinese medicine, one being the Shanghan Lun, which was a, a huge encyclopedia of diagnostics and treatment of, of cold-induced diseases, and that was mainly written in an area where it was predominantly cold. And so they mapped out a whole idea of how cold diseases progress, and then you had the Wenbing theory, which was 
predominantly kind of designed and formulated by people living in very hot, warmer climates. Mm-hmm. And so they, they saw that there was a different way the body reacted to that. And so they developed a unique way of diagnosing that, particularly the wind being looks at four levels. There's different. There's four different levels of the heat damage to the body, and so they would they would diagnostically look at that and then administer herbs and treatments based on which level it was in. Um, and typically, the levels start at surface and then go to deeper and more severe. But we look at now. You can take things like the wind being theory, and, and you can even see correlations to things like its use in Lyme disease treatment, or it's used in chronic fatigue syndrome, or it's it, it applies to anything where people are influenced by a climate, or their body reacts differently. And that's something that you that you see clearly. I mean, some people feel better living in different climates. Mm-hmm. Period. And that's these used to be a very common thing in medicine, but now people just kind of seem to have forgotten that. Um, and wind being theory for me, w- that was actually one of the main areas of my research um, in my training in Chinese medicine. And for a lot of reasons, one, because it was very fascinating to me, but also because I grew up in extremely hot climates. I grew up in Louisiana and it was extremely hot and damp. And then I live in Texas now, which, which is extremely hot. And so it was really fascinating to me because I was like, well, my predominant patient load is going to be living in this kind of climate. So I find that really fascinating. Um, and then we can see incredible uses of it with autoimmune diseases, but also just typically pandemic diseases, which they were typically designed for. And so it can be very helpful for that. And it, just, it provides a unique diagnostic criteria for people to, to receive kind of customized medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big thing of Chinese medicine is that they, they, there's definitely some things they can agree across the board and say, these five herbs clear, clear heat. Um, these these three herbs or you know or tonics, but within that, everybody's unique expression of the disease. Although we might have some of the same symptoms, for example, everyone might have a runny nose and a sore throat, and they might have a fever. But then their body type's different. Their tongue looks different. They're 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 they they're one person has a stomachache, the other person doesn't. One person has diarrhea, the other people doesn't. One person has a mild fever, one person has a severe fever, and so Western medicine doesn't really distinguish between that. They just give everybody the same thing. Um, but Chinese medicine says, well, we can give them 50% of the same thing, but the other half needs to be custom made based on their unique, I like to call it a constellation of symptoms. And so that, that wind being theory was really big on that and just saying, okay, we really need to look at the unique constitutions of these people where they're living. And then yes, we have 15 to 20 herbs, which we know we can help in these formulas, but we might need to modify them as needed. And so the, I think it's really fascinating to see these theories from Chinese medicine, you know, you can kind of cross-pollinate them into allopathic and Western medicine, and we can really get a lot of interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And what, why do you think, though, they call um, the coronavirus um, a warm disease? Like, you, you would think intuitively it's a cold disease, <laughs> but... Um, right. Yeah, well, mainly the symptoms, the symptomology of the high fevers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then and the other symptoms where it's showing there tends to be a drying out effect on the lungs. Um, you would see the drier cough and the sore throat, um, and that tends to cause more respiratory problems because the lung tissues are getting dried out. And so it's more about the how the pattern of the disease kind of develops in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if the, But we do know that typically viruses do tend to spread faster in cold climates just in general. So the warmer the climate gets, sometimes viral patterns will flatten out depending on 
on sanitation and depending on all, you know cleanliness and things like mm-hmm. that. But mainly, mainly because the expression of the symptoms. Once once the patient gets something, and the constellation of symptoms that they saw after that were really fitting the profile of warm diseases um, more so than what they would say just straight cold induced diseases. Yeah. Okay. And we talked a little bit um, offline about how you know each approach to somebody who has the coronavirus or similar symptoms would be unique as um, an Eastern um, medicine practitioner. But what are some of like the typical herbs or protocols that you might recommend to somebody who's maybe in the mid to late stages of coronavirus infection? Yeah, I mean, if, if someone was in, in late stages of coronavirus infection, they would definitely need to be using integrated medicine, which is what they would typically do in China. They would have Chinese medicine and Western medicine combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that would be the ideal way. And then the late stages would be too advanced to discuss in a podcast. You'd have to have someone who would be seeing a professional practitioner and then also working closely with their hospital or their physician uh, to monitor that. Um, and then if the once if they once they recover, then you could. There's so many of the tonic herbs you could help to bring them back quicker. Early stages, then you the, the basically the earlier stage of the disease, the more generic the therapy can be. Mm-hmm. The more the more advanced the disease becomes, the more unique it has to be. Right, right. You can you can think of it that okay. way. You know, I, you know, I could tell someone, you know, hey, um, you three get you three people. I need you guys to lose ten pounds. And here's some basic ideas. And then if they all follow those basic ideas, those are going to give them some good results. But maybe two of them say, I'm doing that, but there's still something wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we have to see, ah, oh, okay, we figured out you had a thyroid problem. Or, oh, we figured out you were eating too much of that. You know, it's so unique at that yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. But particularly, particularly with infectious diseases, um, the, the early stages are more generic. The late stages become more of a concern. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. How are you seeing um, this virus affect your business right now? What's what's happening um, in your neck of the woods and in your life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Texas, we're we're pretty lucky right now. Um, there hasn't been a huge issue here, but they're also very proactive in preventing it. Um, so that's I, I for me, and my patients. I'm a, I'd like to be a big part of education. So patients can will often call me and just ask me for advice on what to do. And I've, I really try to educate most of my patients on things to have at home to not to prevent and not have to worry about it. And so I often will give them information like those articles. They get a little bit more extensive handouts from me about which kind of foods to eat, what recipes to do, how to, how to put the herbs into the food. Um, and then, then of course I have a huge, you know, Chinese pharmacy of herbs that if anybody needs anything that we can use it from there. So, but right now, uh, luckily in Texas, um, people are obviously nervous because I think that it doesn't help that the media presentation of it's really just a little bit panic kind of pushing mm-hmm. it, um, which is very frustrating. Um, and so I think that's the problem. Uh, other than that, most people, I think if, if they just kind of follow the recommendations and, and limit the exposure to people, then, then that we should see a flattening of the curve. That's the ideal. Mm-hmm. But Texas is a, Texas is unique. We're like a whole other country, yeah. right? <laughs> We're like a whole, we have our home. We have this kind of strange insular economy, this strange insular thing. It's so it's a, it's very different than other places. So it, which it's kind of fun, but it's unique. But right now, luckily not as much in Texas. I was sad to see my home state, Louisiana is having a lot mm-hmm. right now. So they're having, they're having a little bit more trouble than Texas at the moment. Yeah. Oh, I know. It is really sad to see all the areas that are affected and 
but hopefully, hopefully, like you said, the more that we learn about this, we can flatten out that curve and um, slow yeah, out, exactly. slow down the spread. And and um, what are some other ways that you recommend staying um, healthy, like just regular health practices, uh, other than food and herbs? Yeah, I think the the big thing there in the winter time is always tell people three things. I always tell them try to eat warmer foods. Uh, and, and try to eat a ton of vegetables. Most people are not eating enough vegetables, and vegetables are filled with every basic nutrient that you're, that's going to help you from preventing a cold or a flu or cancer or in vegetables. So I always tell them, like, make it a priority to eat more vegetables. And then number two, I say you have to make sleep a priority. Mm-hmm. Sleep is such a massive part of our immune system. And that's a big, big part that a lot of people kind of skip out. So I always say, please think about what we refer to as sleep hygiene. And I'll be like, please make that a priority. And then the third thing is I would say find some kind of exercise or movement that you love. Mm-hmm. Find something find something that you really enjoy, whether that's Tai Chi, yoga, dancing, martial arts, running, uh, Pilates, ballet, something. Just find something and move and that really boosts our immune system too, as well as our mental health. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big comment. I like to see people to feel physically healthy and mentally healthy or mentally happy. Right, right. Uh, you know, and then I, then I think the last thing I would say is it's very important for people to get their vitamin D levels checked mm-hmm. and to be sure that that, because a lot of people live in climates that they don't have a lot of sun exposure during the cold and flu season in the wintertime. And so that's a big thing for patients to uh, find that out. And it's incredibly inexpensive to take vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's kind of the big ones I kind of push that, you know, sleep, exercise, movement they love, eating a ton of vegetables, and then being sure their vitamin D levels are up. And that if they're doing that, then they're, they're at least at the starting line of being like super, super happy and super yeah. healthy. You're out running quite a bit. How many miles are you running regularly? I did depend, you know, it kind of depends on how many books I'm writing <laughs> or how many, how many patients I see, but I, I, I usually average 40 to 50 miles a oh, week. Wow. Um, and that's a sweet spot for mm-hmm. me, but sometimes less because, but I do teach martial arts and do a lot of martial arts too. So that kind of is thrown in there. And, um, but I love it. These are things that I love and they bring me great happiness and they inspire me and they make me think clearer. Um, so, and I grew up doing that. Um, but people don't need to do that. If people even just ran one mile a day, that's amazing. That's all they need. Yeah. Or if they, you know, if they went jogging for 30 minutes or if they don't like jogging, they could go ride a bike. And if they don't like riding a bike, they could swim. If they, you know, there's so many things it's basically, I just say there has to be some kind of movement that brings them joy and happiness. Yeah. And I think, um, whatever the, as uh, people feel like they have to be cloistered inside. It's going to be more people yeah. are going to be going outside to exercise. I know in my neighborhood, that's yeah. what I'm seeing. I went for a run this morning and yeah, everyone's out. My, my son joined me on his bike. So that was, that was nice. fun. And my dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So I think that if we can get people to think about all those factors, um, they really do lower stress and they really do, um, help us, both build an innate immunity and deep immunity and then helps people just be happier. I think that's a big part of our immunity is to have a life that brings us inspiration. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, we have to have that. We have to have a life that is full of inspiration regardless of what you do. Um, you can, we can always have something which is kind of instilling our life with that type of juice. Um, and, and that's something I always try to help people find. And that's a huge part of our immune system as mm-hmm. well. 
if you have hope and happiness, you'll, you're, you'll get through anything better than any disease and anybody that else. That so. is so true. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm so glad that we got to speak with you again. Tell, tell our listeners how they can um, find out more from you and reach you. Yeah, they, I have a column every month in acupuncture today. Um, it's one is called On Point, which is just on acupuncture, and one's called Planetary Herbology, and it's just on herbs and nutrition. Um, so they can always catch that there. Um, I have a blog, which is called Ayurveda Austin. They can go to my website, which is AyurvedaAustin.com. Um, but it's also if they would if they were to Google Craig Williams Herbs, Craig Williams Acupuncture, Craig Williams Ayurveda, it'll pull it up and get to my website, and they can have links to my blogs from there. Okay, great. Well, I'll be sure to link to those that you mentioned. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again and have a great rest of your day. Take care yeah, of yourself. I hope you it's stay wonderful. healthy and well. <laughs> you okay, too. Thanks. Bye. And Bye. thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. For more great tips from Craig Williams, be sure to visit us at plumdragonherbs.com. We will post show notes and ways to connect with Craig. And if you like this episode, we'd love for you to share, comment, and follow us on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere else you like to listen. This makes a huge difference for us, and we really appreciate when you do. Until next time.